Good morning. It is so good to see everyone here this morning. Welcome. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us. As you can tell by the sea of blue that you can see around our church, today is our VBS kickoff day. We start Vacation Bible School tonight. I'll talk more about that here in a little bit, and we'll talk, talk more about that later in our service as well. Let me uh, welcome any guests or visitors that we may have here with us today. We have a big group from Center Kids Camp that is at Gardner-Webb. Uh, they are here with us today, so we welcome you guys. We're glad that you're here. We also welcome any other guests or visitors that we may have. We are glad that you are here with us today. We are excited to worship this morning. Uh, we are glad to see so many faces here in our sanctuary and to kick off Vacation Bible School. Our prayer this morning is that all of us would prepare our hearts as we prepare to worship our Lord.
join me in singing the congregational call to worship. morning is how great is our God you'll find the words in your uh, order of service and also on the screens notice at the very end of the second stanza we'll sing um, a portion of how great thou art if you would if you're able please stand and join me in singing
This time I'm going to ask Elena and Julie to come and join me this morning. As you can see, this is a special Sunday. It's an exciting Sunday. I get to wear a t-shirt today, so that's always a good thing for a pastor to get a Sunday off from wearing the tie. But as you can see, it's special more than just the pastor can wear a t-shirt. It's a big week. It's vacation Bible school. It's always a big week here in uh, at Boiling Springs Baptist. And our theme is Galactic Starveyors. And I want to thank all of those who have uh, participated in any way with not only decorating the sanctuary, but as you go throughout our facility throughout our campus. I think some people are trying to, to really get at the tall pastor or something because I've about been, uh, I've about been choked two or three doors that I've walked through Julie and Atlanta because I'll, I'll open the door and all of a sudden there's stars hanging right here at about my neck. And, um, but we're glad that uh, you're here this morning, not only to worship with us, but many of you are helping with Bible school. Some of you have t-shirts on, some of you may not. But if you are helping in any way with Bible school, would you please stand right now? Would you please stand and make sure you've got your little insert with you. We're going to have a little bit of a, a commissioning time for Bible school and Lana and Julie can either use, you can either stand in front of the mic or pull it out of the, the mic stand there. But if you need to say anything about Bible school before we do this, Julie, you're, you, you could do that as well. Leaders, you have responded to the call to assist and lead with this year's Vacation Bible School. Will you commit to be faithful to the task taking seriously the commitment of time, prayer, and preparation in helping children know and grow in Jesus our Savior. Church family, will you commit to pray for the children attending VBS, our workers, and will you support our Vacation Bible School in any practical way that you are able? Let's pray. God, we have heard your call to teach and lead Vacation Bible School for our church. We teach trusting in your support, sustaining grace, and empowerment for this task. We teach relying on prayer and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We teach inviting others to recognize and respond to your call in their lives. We teach depending on our church family to uphold us in prayer, love, and support. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We are surrounded this morning with stars and all kinds of stuff, don't we? I have something down here, though, that I added to the galactic starveyors. How many of you have ever seen one of these? What is it? It's a globe. And it spins, doesn't it? Come on, we got you. And it spins around. This is the earth. And somewhere on here, we are there. Maybe just a little tiny speck. But when Braden read the scripture this morning, he talked about what? What did God do? Huh? God's creation. And what did God create? The world. But what did he create? He created us, church, had about animals, plants, dogs and cats and cows. And he made the stars. He did. He made the stars, didn't he? And the dark and the planet. He did. He made darkness and he made daylight, didn't he? That's awesome. Thank you. 
and he made all the planets in the world. But you know what he said after every time he created something? He said, that is good. And he did this until he finished creating. And he said, this is good. So this week, we're gonna study about things that God created. Not just you, and not just the stars in the dark night. We're gonna study about being broken and learning how to ask God to help us. We're gonna learn about our relationship, how it continues to grow every day. It doesn't just stop, hmm? He created homes, that's exactly right. And homes are special, aren't they? And our what? And our cars so we can get to church. And he made TV so we can watch it, didn't he? Yes, he did. But I really think he probably would like to take an eraser and erase that sometimes. What do you think? Maybe. But most important to me is that he made you. And he made all the stars in the sky so they would twinkle. And I hope one night this week we can go outside and look at the God's creation. We forget sometimes that God created us and everything around us. And he made the grass. And he made the grass, so daddy has something to mow, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. So this week, as we start Vacation Bible School and as we look at God's creation, and we're gonna look through something like a telescope and you can see all the stars in the universe. So bring a friend, come tonight as we start. Tonight is God created the world and the universe. He made you and he made you special to all of us. So let us pray. Lord, on this beautiful day that you created, this is your day that we celebrate. But as we look through our children's eyes at what you created, it is a marvelous wonder, Lord. When you said, it is good, it is, Lord. We so often forget, but today, Lord, as we center our day around your creation, we need to all remember to say, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for creating us, creating our children, our church, our world and our families. But most importantly, Lord, for creating your son who lives for us and guides us every day. It's through his name we say, amen. A couple of prayer concerns. Um, we want to remember those uh, leaders and children involved in Vacation Bible School as well as G.H. Uh, Walton, who is receiving radiation treatments for melanoma in his eye. Um, in a few days, they'll be going back to Duke um, for some more of that. So keep him in your prayers. And also, we want to remember Celeste and Hannah Thurman, who left yesterday for a medical mission trip to Honduras. Uh, earlier this year, we helped to raise funds for that group. The funds that we raised will be used to help with employing doctors and translators and also to help with medicine. So be sure to keep them in your prayers. If uh, you would, please go with me to God in prayer at this time. 
How great is your steadfast love, O God! We extol your name and sing your praises. Hear the joyful noise of this assembly of your people, for we acknowledge your faithfulness and give thanks for your amazing gifts. You have done marvelous things in all creation and us within it. How awesome is the thought that you choose humanity to represent your love. We thank you for Celeste and Hannah Thurman and the others on the Honduras mission trip. We ask for your blessing on their efforts to improve the lives and situations of others. May they have compassion, insight, and courage to do the things they must do. May they be equipped with wisdom that they may accomplish all that you have called them to do. Though they are seeking to assist and bless others, may they also receive a blessing in all they do in the name of your love and care. There is excitement in the air today, O oh God. A lot of children are going together within these walls for the next several days of special activities during Vacation Bible School. As they sing and learn and play together, we trust that we will all have a sense of your presence and that what happens here will cast its blessing upon the rest of our summer and perhaps even on the rest of our lives. Grant that we may have a very special time together and that each day will help us to live closer to you. Be with all who will lead and teach and with every child who attends. May we be ever mindful of children who do not have this opportunity or cannot participate in this type of opportunity for whatever reason. We pray your blessings on all of them and their families as well. We are gathered together today to renew our commitment and to strengthen and extend our ministry. You know, dear God, how often we have failed to show love to our sisters and brothers. You are aware of the many times we have violated the friendship of Christ. Despite our best intentions, we bend and break your commandments. Help us, O oh God, to overcome our shortcomings. Shape us as people of faith who are willing to bear the risk of change. Loving God, we long for a world in which all people find a welcome and every person can know fulfillment. We dream of a society in which there is mutual respect and genuine caring. Our hope for the church is that we can bear fruit toward the establishment of your realm. May we rejoice in our baptism and confirm by our action every day our dedication to all that is right and true. Let our joy overflow in a welcoming embrace of all kinds of people near and far. As we encounter them, we would open ourselves to all you might communicate to us through them. Above all, equip us to love one another in Jesus' name. Amen. And now if you would turn in your hymnal to number 173, Christ is Alive. 173, if you are able, please stand and join me in singing.
I was preparing to pray um, this week, I was reflecting and I kept coming back to two different words. And they were tithe and offering. Um, and for some reason, God kept laying those two words on my heart. And I've never really thought about the difference between the two, um, or if there is a difference. So I kind of came to the conclusion of, you know, a tithe being your typical 10% that you normally hear in church. It's a very church word, um, and it's tangible. It's what you actually put in the offering plate. But an offering, I kind of think of as something that's not tangible. Um, it could be like a kind word that you offer to somebody. Maybe you offer support or comfort to a friend. Um, your talents or gifts that you offer the church or your community. Um, but specifically, the offering that I want to think about today is what we're going to offer in Vacation Bible School. The love and the story of Jesus Christ to kids who maybe have never even heard the word Jesus before. Um, I grew up in this church, and what some of you offered me during my experience in Vacation Bible School shaped me into the woman of God I am today. Um, so it has an impact. And today, it's kind of come full circle, and I'm teaching Vacation Bible School for the first time. And I'm a little nervous, so pray for me. <laughs> but those offerings that you give, um, they do have an impact. And sometimes they have even more of an impact than just some money that you can throw in a plate. So this morning, I want to pray over the offerings that are going to be given specifically for Vacation Bible School this week. So if you could join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for this day and for the opportunity to gather together and freely worship you this morning. Please bless not just our tithes, but our offerings that we have given to you. And let our offerings given have an exponential impact on our church, community, and your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Our scripture this morning is from Acts, the third chapter, the first 19 verses. That's found in your pew Bible on page 949. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at that gate at the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who enter the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him with John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention upon them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as a man who sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's, astounded. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though you, by our own power or piety, we have made him walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know and the faith which is through Jesus has given the man his perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that as Christ should suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Bonnie, for reading this morning. We're in a sermon series. We started a few weeks ago, and I've simply called it Empowered. And we see here in Acts, at the beginning of Acts especially, and we see it carried on throughout Acts, how God takes ordinary men and women but we think about the disciples and how ordinary, how remarkably ordinary they were. We've looked at this a couple years ago when I first came. We took a disciple each Wednesday night and we looked at their attributes. We looked at the great things about these men, but then we looked as well, and the scripture doesn't hide the imperfections that we find when we look at them as well. But what's so exciting is when we look to the book of Acts, and again, Acts is this transitional book. We've got the gospels and Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and then before we go into Paul's epistles, we've got, we've got Acts that's filled with miracles, that's filled with what God did through ordinary people when they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
And I think it's exciting that uh, we've had the emphasis on Bible school this morning, even in our service. The sermon is not directly related to the stars and, and this type theme this morning. But I think it's exciting to hear, and Malia, thank you for sharing what you did before your prayer about what God does in the midst of the ordinary, what God does in the midst of just these things that we do in our church year, which is Vacation Bible School, and the exciting things that happens in young people's lives. I could go on and on. I know uh, many, many of our youth could as well, and Alan, and what happens at youth camps, and our Century Kids staff that's here this morning could talk about the great things that God has done, and that the great things they anticipate that God will do. And the fact is, what's so exciting is he does this through ordinary individuals, people who have flaws, people who have imperfections like you and like me. And so um, this morning, we are looking at Acts chapter 3, a, um, uh, the first miracle that uh, took place after, the uh, first recorded miracle that took place after the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And let me remind you, Acts was written by the gospel writer Luke. And like I said, it's a transitional book. It's a time that, uh, where Jesus walked with those at the beginning of the book to a time where people like Paul, Timothy, Titus, Apollos did not live or walk with Christ. Acts is also transitional in, the, in another way as well, from an age in which miracles were common to a time more closely resembling that of our own. I truly believe in my heart that miracles do still happen today. Some of you could give testimony of some miracles that have taken place in your life. It may be that one visit to the doctor, they found something they didn't like. And then the next visit to the doctor a few weeks later, that what was suspicious is no longer there. And um, we can't explain it and we can't, uh, the doctors can't give proof to exactly what happened, but I still believe that God is in the miracle business. We may just not see or hear as much about the miracles as we do as we read God's word. Luke describes this early time for the believers by saying this back in chapter two, verse 43, he says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. It kind of sets the stage for what's about to happen really in the rest of the book of Acts. If we have many miracles and signs being performed, why did Luke write about this particular one? I believe one is because right after it, we hear Peter's second sermon. His first sermon happened in Acts chapter two. His second sermon happened here in Acts chapter three. I believe that there was something in this sermon of Peter that this miracle needed to be described. This miracle needed to be written about and explained in order to better understand the basis from which Peter was coming from as he preached this second sermon in Acts chapter two. Before we look at Peter's sermon, I want us to walk back through this, the scripture that Bonnie read, and thank you, for Bonnie, for reading that so well. But look back through verses 1 through 10. It says here that they were walking to the temple, Peter and John were at about the ninth hour, which is about 3 p.m. They were continuing to do, it was again as Acts, I can't emphasize enough of the trans, what a transitional book it is. So they're transitioning, they're still following things that their Jewish custom uh, followed for many, many, for hundreds of years. And so Peter and John are continuing to go to the temple at about, it says here, the ninth hour, about 3 p.m. And a man who had been lame from birth, from his mother's womb, was being carried along there and was set at a gate. And we know the gate would be, it's called the, the beautiful gate, uh, to beg alms. Now, for those of you who have been into a large city, you know that uh, location is everything for a beggar. You know that location is everything for a business. Some of you know that far better than I would know. 
But for a beggar, location is everything as well. And I remember going to the Atlanta Braves games and I'm trying to, you guys will help me. The, the recent field was Turner Field and the field before that was Fulton County Stadium. And then now I have this new stadium outside of the city of Atlanta, I understand. But when I would go to both Fulton County Stadium and Turner Field, uh, people who would be uh, shaking money in a tin or asking for help would be right there in the way uh, or right there off to the side of everyone coming into the stadium. If you go to other, if you go to Charlotte Panthers games, you may see them there. Um, but location is everything. You need to be where the people are, where the people who most likely have money to buy things in the stadium, you need to be where they are and maybe somebody along the way will show some kindness and show some compassion and offer something to the beggar. So we see here the beggar being placed at the temple gate. In verse four, Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze. It didn't just said looked at him, but it says fixed his gaze, looked intently at him and began to give him, uh, and the beggar began to give him his attention, expecting to receive something from him. When he asked the beggar to look at him, I'm sure the first thing the beggar thought Oh, what is this man going to say? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Is he going to condemn me? Is he going to offer something to me? Why is he asking me to look at him? In verse 6, Peter and John said, I do not possess silver and gold, but the one thing I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. And in verse 7, seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And Luke, the author of Acts, being the physician uh, that he was, he writes immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. Not only did he walk, but Luke says he walked. He leaped up and began to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. As we begin to look at Peter's second sermon here in verse 11, it has similarities to his first at Pentecost in that it focused, number one, on Jesus. But there are several things that Peter's sermon could have focused on here after this miracle. He could have focused on the miracle itself. He could have called the beggar up as all these people were talking about what had just happened. He could have called the beggar up and said, let's look at him. Let's evaluate his body and let's talk about how he used to be and how he is now. And he could have focused on the man, the beggar himself. Peter could have allowed the second sermon to turn into a testimony service. I don't know about you, but I love to go to a good testimony service when people are sharing about what God has done in their life. Sometimes those can speak in ways that maybe a pastor can't. Uh, when someone just stands up and begins to talk about what God has done in their life, they could have asked the beggar to share his testimony about how his life has been as a beggar and as a lame person. But he stood there, but Peter didn't do that. The, the attention was to the beggar, and, and Peter realized that this was a great opportunity to once again preach Jesus. Peter, in verse 12 and 13, he says, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our father, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Jesus. This is where the emphasis on the sermon lies. This is where the emphasis on Peter's first sermon lies. When I would say when any pastor begins to lose focus of that as being the keeping the main thing we kept I heard that heard that this week with NBA finals and coaches would tell the team to keep the main thing the main thing and I don't know what the main thing was that he was talking about but we often hear that in church as well keep the main thing the main thing and Peter and I would I would say any pastor 
uh, is going to be, uh, needs to be reminded of that, to keep the main thing the main thing. And Peter did that. So we see that him, uh, he, he once again preached Jesus here in his second sermon. When Peter referenced servant, when he says, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus, it's my belief that this resonated with his audience because this audience, the devout Jews present, would have remembered the passages in Isaiah that speak of the servant of the Lord. Passages like Isaiah 52 and 53 where the coming of the servant of God is described as the one who would be pierced for our transgression and bruised for our iniquities. They recognized the wording of the word and what the significance of the word servant Jesus. He didn't have to describe, Peter didn't have to describe Jesus as servant Jesus, but yet he did, which I think had great significance for his audience. Peter keeps the focus on Jesus as he continues preaching. In verse 18, he references the message that God communicated through the Old Testament prophets and that this Christ would suffer. And Peter reminds them that this has now been fulfilled. And now we come to verse 19. And I want us to pause and to slow down and look carefully at this verse. Peter, Peter once again preaches the same message he did earlier in his first sermon. He says much of what he said in that sermon. He says, therefore, repent. Therefore, think differently. Change your direction. If you're walking this way, begin to turn and walk this way, he says to the audience there. Turn. Be converted, some translations may say. Come back once again. Repent, return, so that your sins may be wiped away. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Peter's once again preaching a message of repentance and once again preaching a message of returning to the Lord. And this is what I love about verse 19. He speaks that when we do that, he says, so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. There's something about being in God's presence, knowing that our sins have been atoned for, knowing that our sins have been forgiven, that brings a sense of refreshing that nothing else in this world can compare to. People sit in, in, uh, in an office of a, of a psychologist or a counselor. They try to deal with things that have happened in their life in different ways, and those things are important. Those things sometimes need to be done. But there is something about repenting and returning and saying fully God and, and, and confessing to God that we have missed the mark, that we have things in our lives that we simply need his forgiveness for. There is a sense of peace and a sense of refreshing that can only come from the presence of the Lord. And Peter is reminding the people that have just witnessed this miracle. He's taking this opportunity to once again preach Jesus. And he says, as he did in his first sermon in Acts chapter 2, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come. All of us go through times. I did yesterday, briefly, I was working with my, with my dad up in Hendersonville, and I've shared this before, especially on Wednesday nights. It seems like every time I go to my dad's now, I'm doing something physical and, and sweating, and maybe that's just the way it is, I guess, as, as parents age and as, as the sons come up to visit. But uh, yesterday, it was trimming shrubs and pressure washing the sidewalk and, and washing a car and doing all kinds of other things. But after I did those things for the majority of the morning, only into early afternoon, I had to stop. And I had to get some water. I had to ask dad if he had some things in his fridge that I could make a sandwich. 
and I needed some refreshment. And once I received that refreshment, I was able to go back out and continue working and then come back to Boiling Springs for a pool party and all the different things that happen here in, in, in our community as well. There's something to be said about those times of refreshment. Some of us can work hard, play hard, and you, we need those times of refreshment. But I think all of us in the room can relate to those times when we need that spiritual refreshment. When we feel like the world is closing in on us, things aren't going right at work, things aren't going right at home, things aren't going right uh, with, with our friends or in our world today, and we simply need spiritual refreshment. Peter reminds us, he gives us a message. This is not just a message for the Jews of this day, of the first century, but this is a message for 2017, that as we turn to the Lord, as we repent, as we walk in ways that he would have us to walk, that he allows us to be refreshed. He allows us to experience something that can only be experienced as we walk in his presence. When we repent of our sins, we are empowered to be who God is calling us to be. And we are able to do the things that God may be calling us to do. When we repent of our sins, we're refreshed, we're restored in such a way that strength returns and hope is restored. When we are filled with a longing, a deep desire, and a passion that must do something. Peter and John didn't have silver and gold, but what they had, they gave to the beggar. Unlike Peter and John, many in the room today have resources and have finances that can be given to help with many needs. But let's be sure that we have the spirit of the resurrected Christ in us so that as we go about our daily lives, we can give more than silver or gold. We can give more than food from our food pantry. We can give more than just a kind word. We can give more than simply a monetary gift, but we can offer hope where hope has run out. We can point them to the way their strength can be renewed. I was, uh, I had two experiences this week, and I don't have time to go into details, but I had two experiences this week that would not fit into the normal week for the pastor. Uh, I was called out, somebody just needed to talk, and when I went to meet with this person, Alan and I did, we got involved in a little something that was a little more than, than what we thought it was. And, um, you know, this person needed to be reminded that there is hope. This person needed to be reminded that the troubles and the trials that they were going through on this particular day were something that will, was something that will pass. It may take a few days, it may take a few weeks or even a little longer, but there is the, you know, the, the saying, the darkest days are just before the dawn and uh, this too shall pass. And this, what, that's, this person needed to hear that this week. It's gonna be a long road for this individual that we talked with, but things can get better and he needed to hear that this week. There's something special about being refreshed and being renewed and having hope restored. And as we repent of our sins, as we look to the Lord, as we walk new and fresh with him, there's something that happens with that that the world simply cannot give us. Are you in need of some spiritual refreshment this morning? Peter is once again not only pointing, he pointed the Jews to Jesus at this time, but he today is pointing you and me to look to Jesus once again. The one who can forgive our sins, the one who can restore our hope, and the one who can renew our strength is calling out to us once again today. Will we follow? And we, will we, like Peter and John, allow the Spirit of God to empower us to do miracles, to do great things 
It may not look like uh, the healing of a beggar, but it may be a miracle that takes shape in another way. It may be offering those kinds of words. It may be offering a, a token, maybe a food or a financial means to someone. It may be just sharing Jesus with them, sharing them the good news of what a relationship with him can look like, that their lives can be restored and renewed, that hope can be found in the good news that Jesus Christ still offers you and me and our world today, a message that the world desperately needs to hear. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this service, Lord. I'm excited about Bible school tonight and this week and all the things that have happened in this service, Lord, from young children reading scripture and to the prayers that have been prayed. Lord, your spirit has been felt here this morning. As we look at the uh, things that have been placed in our sanctuary, we, the Galactic Starveyors theme of Bible school, we're reminded, Lord, of how you created all the things that we enjoy in nature. We're reminded through our children's sermon of how you created each of us and how special you've created us. And Father, as we continue to read through Acts, we are reminded once again, and, it, and it, hopefully it will be time and time again throughout the summer, that God, you take ordinary people and you fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, you do incredible things through ordinary people. Father, remind us that you desire to do those things in us. And Father, as we are empowered to live our lives for you, help us to give it all we've got. Lord, help us to live a life that others see and know whom we follow. I ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I would invite you to come and would love to talk with you about that. If you desire church membership, would love to talk with you about that as well this morning. Let's stand and sing and allow the Lord to speak. thing before you leave and that's speak to two people that you haven't spoken to before you leave today. Uh, be sure to say a word of welcome to our Central Kids staff. They'll be at Garden Web for how many weeks, guys? Seven weeks. 
So you're welcome back here any Sunday in the midst of those seven weeks, uh, but be sure to speak a word of encouragement to them before they leave today as well. So God bless you. Our uh, closing song is May the Spirit Bind Us Together. We sang it for you last week, and uh, we want you to try and sing it with us today. The words are found in your bulletin and on the screens. Thank you.